Hi, welcome to Project Geospatial. I'm Adam Simmons, and with me is Itai Schechter from Skyline Software Systems. Uh, and uh, we're going to get an overview of what they do and uh, what, what you know, just give, give us a rundown of your products and who you are. <laughs> sure, no problem. Um, so my name is Itai. I uh, work in Skyline as the product manager for 3D tools. Um, we have uh, um, modules that deal with the 3D content creation and 3D reconstruction, as well as being able to visualize, analyze, uh, measure, um, and disseminate the 3D data uh, using the internet, using browsers. Um, and we have a fully compatible API of customizations um, and integrators that work with the 3D engine that we developed. So um, to get started, I could go through a quick workflow of our tools and how we utilize each one of the tools in our 3D process. Um, yeah, so uh, quick question real quick. So what before you do a rundown of your workflow, what is the uh, what are your primary products? Uh, that you have for your customers and uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you're mostly, and just kind of get a example. You mentioned 3d products. This is mainly focused around the inject injection of uh, drone imagery, satellite imagery, aerial, or all of the above. So mainly dealing with frame-based imagery that could be from a drone <clears throat> or from aerial in a lot of cases, uh, also combining terrestrial images, with aerial images, drone images, but mainly dealing with frame-based camera, any sort of uh, physical sensor. Uh, we, don't, we work with satellite as a process data set for background imagery, but we don't really process the satellite imagery itself. Um, it's not really a full 3D product, um, more 2.5D, we call it. Um, <clears throat> so, the 3D reconstruction tool is PhotoMesh. That's our tool that processes all the frame-based images. Um, Terra Explore is our visualization and analytics engine. And Skyline Globe is our storage server and streaming software uh, for disseminating the data. Excellent. No, I appreciate the rundown. Uh, so you wanted to get started showing us uh, uh, what you have with uh, PhotoMesh. Is that correct? Yeah, we'll start through the logical workflow, the process. First is creating the data, then uh, bringing the data into our visualization engine and analytics engine, uh, simulating some uh, scenarios in it, and then uh, to the next step, which is making it accessible and disseminating it. So Perfect. the logical workflow. All right, well, I'm gonna switch over to uh, your desktop here. Here we go. Mm -hmm can see you and your desktop. Excellent. Great, great. <clears throat> okay, so I'll get started uh, with the basic, very basic workflow. Uh, the data could be brought in and imported if the images have GPS locations. Um, I'll show you real quick the, the data that we're looking at. Um, so the most data that comes from drones has a GPS DAG associated with it. And then that could be brought in and read. So this is the image folder. Uh, and usually the GPS tag is part of the metadata. 
So it has the X, Y, Z. We read it automatically. Um, some sensors also collect the uh, orientation data, the attitude, a yaw pitch roll or omega phi kappa. We can import that as well if it's in the metadata. So in this case, we brought in the images and we can see the, um, as I'm highlighting the images, these are the different images in the project. They were collected in a grid pattern flying back and forth, um, <clears throat> facing down. So as the first part of the process, we run the aerial triangulation and we calculate <clears throat> all the images true position uh, and relative orientation to one another. Uh, using tie points and the whole bundle adjustment process. You can see this is the, the cone of the image as it's pointing onto the ground relative to the other images. Each one of the individual images, uh, I could project it onto the terrain, see what it looks like. So this is an individual image and there's overlap between the images, between the strips and inside the strip, so this is another image. We can see the parallax sort of gets created by capturing the images in different locations. And just and, to remind users, what area, what what exactly are you, uh, what is this imagery of uh, the area? This is imagery of actually an Ottoman castle uh, from about the 18th, early 19th century. Okay. Uh, it's like a, this is an example of a historical site or a heritage site mapping. Um, you know, standard things that a lot of drones do, uh, sort of small scale, single building. Um, I also have another example I'm going to jump to, which is a little bit more in the range of utilities and uh, monitoring uh, hardware or inventory. Uh, so typical drone projects, they're more on a small scale. On the large scale, uh, we do citywide mapping, urban mapping, you know, large area mapping. That's more of a, the airplane collection. So, yes. Uh, no, I was, so I was going to ask. So, what's the minimum number of images you need to create a three D model? What would be the minimum that you would recommend? We uh, know the minimum is three. Understood. Just uh, two stereo models from three images. Um, but I would say that uh, a good decent amount is probably around 30, 40 images of a single object, maybe flying uh, a circle around it. Uh, or uh, capturing it from different angles with good overlap uh, should be enough. So I'd say 30 or 40 is a good minimum. Uh, 50 to 100 is already uh, could produce a pretty good sized project like this one. This one is about uh, 103 images. So uh, as part of the AT process, we do the full aerial triangulation. Uh, we also do in-situ calibration. So we recalculate the camera model, or if it doesn't, if all it has is, um, you know, focal length, we can calculate the accurate principal point, radial distortion, uh, the correct focal length. So we do the, the full calibration process as part of our AT. And we can also visualize all of the point clouds, um, all the type points that were used in the AT process. So these are all the type points that were used to connect all the images together. And you can export these uh, these point clouds as uh, .las files? Yeah, so uh, yeah. we can export to a lot of different formats. Uh, one of them is an LAS file. Um, we can also export a lot of different 3D models. Um, I'll get into it at the end of the process. 
Um, no, that's fine. I was getting ahead, but I saw the point cloud and I was like, okay, just to remind folks, this isn't just converting into a 3D model. You can take those and use those with uh, your standard LiDAR formats as well. Yeah. So this is what the densified point cloud looks like and also colorized um, as part of the reconstruction process. And can all you, of those are Can you zoom in a little bit closer there? Oh, yes, sure. Just kind of see how much, uh, how, what, what kind of incredible detail that you can get out of your software here. Yep. And uh, yeah, you, you really need to zoom in to realize that this is actually a point cloud because from far away, it looks like it's already a, a textured model. It's so dense. Um, the next part of the process after we create the dense point cloud is we create a geometric mesh, which is uh, all the surface. So we surface everything together. And then we texture that surface to produce the full 3D textured model. And this is an example of one of the tiles. So we divide the project up into individual reconstruction tiles, and that could be split between computers. So we utilize parallel processing and parallel uh, computing. So if you have, uh, like we do, uh, we call it a, a fuser farm. Uh, each individual fuser can process a tile, and at the end of the day, they all get combined into one single 3D model, which looks like this. Um, and this already has the built-in pyramids, the uh, level of detail, so that um, it's already a streamable layer. Now, another critical thing that we do during the reconstruction process is we extract vectors, or we call it edge enhancement where instead of just having a point cloud that's image-based point cloud, we have essentially an image-based vector cloud. Um, and this is a, what a vector cloud looks like. It's uh, essentially a point at the end that's a combination of several linear features. So wherever there is a corner or a straight line, it will be extracted as a straight line instead of a mesh of points per se. Um, and that's what really enhances the ability to extract buildings or geometric models uh, in a way that uh, doesn't look melted or has some sort of deformities uh, in the edges or in the corners. So it's, it's a pretty unique operation. Um, you can see this is here the final product, the final textured mesh, and we have the ability to also export um, our format, which is 3DML, I'll show our format in a second in Para Explorer. And uh, we also work with I3S, SLPK, the Esri format, or 3D tiles. <clears throat> Open formats such as Collada, OBJ, um, or OSGB. Uh, this is what you're asking, the last export, so you can export a point cloud, the, the last export. Uh, or a true orthophoto, a DSM, and a DTM. Now, I know this isn't the true purpose of this application, but is someone able to use this uh, application as sort of a converter, bring in LAS files and convert them to .objs and colladas, et cetera? <clears throat> Not, that's an odd question, but I'm just uh, kind of curious. No, no, that's a good question. Um, you could bring in last files, LiDAR data and last files into the software and combine it with image data uh, to produce a colorized mesh from the point cloud and the images together. So that is a possibility. Um, <clears throat> we also have the ability in Terra Explorer to convert between 3D formats 
Um, so, you know, if you have the data in OBJ, you could import it and convert it to a 3DML or convert it to an I3S. But that, so that's an Artera Explorer tool. I see. That's uh, more of a conversion function. Uh, this is more of a data creation. So the, the full 3D reconstruction side. Great. Okay. So what's, what's next? So, yeah, this is one example. Uh, I was going to jump into <clears throat> a slightly different project and just go through the differences so that they could see uh, a, a slightly different scene. So this is a slightly bigger project, 230 images. Um, you can see this was imported. In this case, the data did have uh, Omega Phi Cap, or in this case, Yapich Roll. So you see it was imported already with a certain orientation, and then we can just tweak it as part of our calculation, aerial triangulation. Um, this was also a little bit more tiles. The other project was only about six tiles. This is already closer to 20, 20 something tiles. So this is where having scale, being able to run projects a lot faster uh, comes into play. Uh, this project is actually of a Caterpillar uh, tractor uh, inventory. And this was also captured in, in Nadir only. So this is an individual point cloud. Oh, wow, with how fine those equipment is, I'm surprised it was able to extract all the angles as uh, accurately as it did. That's that's incredible. Yep, yeah, and that's the, the nice thing of the software really maximizes whatever detail. It works on a pixel level. So this so, is the mesh, the, the, the actual uh, aftermath of uh, connecting the point cloud together. Exactly. That is amazing. Thank you. And uh, this is the, the final 3DML combining all the tiles together. So you can see it gets really thin features. If there's good overlap and good data, you can see the distance between the car and uh, this uh, sidewalk is, is very thin, very minimal, but it's still able to get all the way to the bottom of it, um, really maximize the level of information, the level of detail in these data sets. So that's the typical projects that we work on with PhotoMesh on a smaller scale. Um, I'll show some projects from a larger scale when we jump into Terra Explorer. So let me load the Terra Explorer software. So the, the next logical step, once the software produces the um, the 3D model is we could bring it into Terra Explorer. This is Terra Explorer. At this point, the data can be integrated with other data sources. So you could have this as, as the basis, the basic 3D model. To your question about using satellite images, you could bring in the medium resolution data like this using satellite imagery um, and then integrated it with high resolution aerial imagery or 3D. Uh, outputs so that uh, we really work, everything that we do works in the real world environment. We don't work in what's called gray space. We work in real space. Um, so everything that we do has geographic significance and a location. So real quick, uh, 
we actually have quite a few uh well we have a couple of live viewers right now uh, i just want to make an announcement to them that if you have any questions you're more than welcome to put into the youtube chat and uh, we'll bring them up uh as as they're relevant to uh the, the presentation here uh, keep keep going yeah, this is great yeah no problem uh, just uh, uh to make sure that i give credit where it's due uh the previous data sets uh, were collected by David Mossbacher of Greenbee. Um, he's been helping provide me with test data sets, flying his DJI drone. Um, this is uh, Sentinel Robotics, a company um, out of the Virginia coast, which we work with. Um, so I'll keep going with the results from this data set. Uh, so this was also collected uh, with the DJI. Uh, this was about 3,000 images. So this is already a, a little bit more of a significant area, not just a single building. Um, and you can see the 3D model is uh, peppered with different icons. Uh, so you can incorporate GIS data. It has road layers on top, uh, street names. So this is a, sort of the integrated GIS environment which enables the GIS to be viewed in 3D, including the 3D model. Um, one of the advantages of the software itself, and you can see I have different effects here, I have different measurements. Um, so over here I have a, a water body that, that simulates water moving. Uh, so you could have different kinds of effects. We have a full particle engine. So uh, if we look at some of the uh, capabilities. You could simulate fire, you could simulate smoke, you could simulate moving water. So once the 3D data itself is available, it could be brought into Terra Explorer and sort of made alive. Um, and also added a lot of informative layers, GIS layers, uh, feature layers, attribute information. So that's part of the Terra Explorer side of things. Um, along with it, uh, we have the ability to create presentations. So this is a presentation. It's sort of a, a macro of uh, operations that a user can record himself doing or tweaking. Uh, you could wait between operations. You could uh, turn on layers, turn off layers, move between different locations. And then when the project gets distributed, it's more than just data. A project with data in it. It's a project that could simulate scenarios, that could simulate uh, different uh, projects as they go through, simulate time passing and things moving through time. So it's really a four-dimensional software. It's showing you 3D and you can add the fourth dimension of time. Just as a typical example, if I turn on the shadows um, and I can visualize uh, everything moving, um, so I could simulate a time, a time of day, a day in the year. Uh, so everything really happens inside real world location. Um, so when I double click the presentation, it automatically runs through. I don't have to touch anything. So this now, is a, now you can do line of sight as well, like you were saying before, right? And yeah. can, can, can you show another example of that going through it, the building? It's actually part of this demo. So oh, okay. Uh, you see, the presentation also shows how you could display layers underneath awnings. It recognizes what's the floor, what we call the floor of the 3D. So, and did you want to talk about how you did that real quick? How you're able to get underneath the awning there? 
it's we do terrain extraction. We do automatically okay. called bare earth extraction, and we extract a digital terrain model. So this uh, part of this demo, uh, I'll show you real quick. It's uh, it does a line of sight analysis, and uh, it does a view shed analysis, so you can visualize exactly what's visible, what's not visible from a certain point. Here we go. So from this building, you see this is a view shed analysis from a third story window. And that's everything that's, and I can pause this presentation, by the way, you see, and, and show you where this is coming from. So this is the view from this window. This is everything that's visible. And this could be done on the fly. This could be done in a moving object, which we're going to go to in a second. So you see, this is a, an example of this view shed being showed from a moving vehicle and everything that's visible in it. So it can yeah, simulate a patrol or anything. Great, great from a security perspective, uh, they can watch uh, where they might have potential threats as they're moving a convoy or a escort. Exactly, or occlusions, obstructions from vegetation, from tall buildings and anything that you know could get in the way of of the patrol. Um, so yeah, the view shed could be either static or dynamic, could be attached to an object. So that's a, that's a typical presentation. Um, and we could also add models, like you see this moving car. Um, so, and this could be done as a way also of tracking GPS. So if you have a streaming GPS information, you could show it in real time. Uh, oh, in terms of tracking a, a series of vehicles as they're live on the yeah. earth right now. Okay, yeah. fascinating. So live you action. can actually, so if you're, a, uh, it might, sounds like an extreme situation, but if you're, uh, if you're tracking all your, your transports, for example, your, uh, your 18, 18 wheelers moving across country that this, this might be an ideal platform to do that in some way. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's possible. And actually, that's a, a good lead off into our API. So if that's something that you would like to do, you could tap into our uh, API and develop your own customizable um, tool that you could then use yourself with uh, adding additional IP or know-how. Uh, so we work with a lot of integrators and a lot of other businesses that what they do is they um, they customize their own tool and then they have their own toolbar in the software where they can even so, label it and create their own brand using our 3D engine and 3D platform. So your platforms are running on your own servers, correct? No, it could run on your server. It could okay. run locally. Uh, it doesn't have to, to run necessarily from our server. We have a lot of customers that are 100% offline. Um, so it's it's just comfortable for us to to show uh, the data in our streaming. But let's say we have a distributor in France and the company a subsidiary in, in the UK or Germany, they have their own data. They don't necessarily stream the, the general globe that we stream, they could have uh, France, the entire country of France in very high resolution that they stream to their customers inside France. Um, and that's actually takes us to the Skyline Globe. So the Skyline Globe, and um, I could jump into another one of the demos. Just a second. 
So uh, the Skyline Globe allows you to, once you have this project, you can, what we call publish it, you can publish it to the globe, and then it becomes available through uh, streaming. So you don't have to have the data locally. So you see the Skyline Globe server, uh, this is one example, has layers that you could load in and visualize. Um, and Do you side. know how many models you have in the globe now? We have a good amount. I'd say we have <laughs> 20 terabytes of data on there. Wow. Um, and that's just on our marketing globe. You know, we have customers. Oh, just a second. I'm logging into our marketing globe right now. Here we go. So, for example, this data is uh, London, part of our UK subsidiary. And this is being brought in from the Skyline Globe. So you see the, the file name isn't local. It's being streamed in. And, and uh, in a second, I'll also show the Terra Explorer for web. So this is the entire city of London. You see it's bringing in the level of details. That's what part of makes it streamable. You don't have to bring in the whole terabyte of data in at once. It brings, it caches in whatever you're looking at so it's 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 bounding box or view, viewport based uh, exactly. uh, streaming, yeah. Yeah, and and once it caches, it caches. Then it's super fast. So if I zoom in, zoom out, and then zoom back in, it remembers it, and it takes a, a second or two just to restream it. Um, are you able to are you able to change the cache settings on how much you can cache at any one point? I mean, obviously it's limited to how much your uh, computer has in memory, but are you able to change? Oh, awesome, great. Yeah, there's a lot of custom, and that's part of our developer approach. There's a lot of customization. There's a lot of settings. There's a lot of tools. Part of what the API can allow you to do is sort of simplify it to your user base. So you pick the tools that you need, the settings that you need, the, the parameters that, that you think are going to be optimized for your user base, and you can already distribute your data in a way that's perfectly optimized for your user. Um, so that's where the API is also very helpful. Uh, additional things that can be done, you know, in terms of displaying the 3DML, you could display the actual triangles that compose the 3D data. And this is what they look like without the texture. And we have uh, a dynamic simplification algorithm. So flat objects don't need as many triangles because they're planar. But uh, curved objects or detailed have a lot more triangles. So you see the difference between this and this. This is a dome. This is a plane. So a plane could be built of 10 triangles, but a dome might need to be built of, you know, 200 triangles. So um, it's a way of keeping the mesh also more streamable uh, so that you only load in the data that's necessary in the geometry. Um, another thing that we have, we have X-ray view of the 3D so that if you have data underground or if you have data um, uh, inside a building, like indoor navigation, you could view inside and outside the building at the same time. Wow, so, okay. That's what we call our X-ray view. And this, is, this goes on to a question I think I've asked you once before is uh, uh, someone can potentially take their uh, 360 photographer imagery and start mapping the inside of a building as well and merge that with your, your models in this, this platform? Yeah, so let's say if they have um, a BIM model 
Uh, we could work with BIM models in our layers, or if they have, let's say, an OBJ or a Collada model of indoor texture of a building, uh, they could bring it in and it'll be part of the integrated environment. And I, I think I have an example of it, um, and that also a good example of our underground uh, navigation, underground. So if you have utilities that are underground, you could view them at the same time as viewing the above ground and see how they interact together. So this is a small example from Paris. That's credit to our uh, France distributor, IBO. So if I turn on this pipeline infrastructure um, in the underground mode, now you can expose the pipeline and see exactly how the infrastructure interacts with the above ground surface. Yep. Can you still hear me? Of the oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No problem. Uh, so this is an example of indoor being a, a texture, like you're asking. So being able to see something inside a building or navigating inside and having it incorporated with the 3D model. So you could view both of them at the same time. No, that's incredible. So the the utilities perspective you were just showing, um, that's uh, you know that can be used for city planners or uh, or, or utility companies, etc. I mean, do you do you do you have customers like that currently? I'm assuming, right? Yeah, we have a uh, we have customers that let's say deal with power line analytics and viewing vegetation obstruction on power lines, so they can. Uh, that's where you know this is a essentially a shapefile of feature shapefile yep. that we visualize as a pipe model. Um, so it has attributes and um, I'll show you for a second what those attributes look like. They could get pretty massive, you know, it's a full geo database, but the, the radius could be different for the pipe. So we can display the model based on an attribute that says what the radius is, or you can have different types of pipe, pipe A, pipe B, pipe C, and you can color the A pipes in blue, the B pipes in red, the C pipes in yellow, so that it gives you a very comprehensive uh, contextual view. Um, that's very intuitive for you know non-sophisticated users or non-engineers. Everything becomes visual um, and 3D enabled, real world enabled. So that's really the Terra Explorer tool, and all this stuff uh, you know is streamable from uh, the server so that essentially if I, and, and this is a demo on our website, if I just go to our front page, second, you could open up our web viewer. So once you have a project, you could make it streamable by just giving somebody a link. So if they don't need the full software download and installation, um, they could just open up the browser and then have it streamed into the browser. And a lot of the basic capabilities are already included in the tool, but this tool is also uh, has an API associated with it. So it can be customized for specific uses. And then you can have a, like I showed earlier, I could put a view shut analysis um, and you see on the fly analyze views from a certain point. Um, 
And of course, the basic 3D measurements, distance, area, volume. Um, so this is all being streamed into a web browser. This is what we call our thin client. Uh, Understood. So that really covers a lot of the, the three modules that I talked about, the, the data creation, photo mesh, with the data visualization and analytics, Terra Explorer, and very much an integrated tool of different sources, vector sources, 2D sources, 3D sources, um, and then the ability to stream all the data um, and make it fully uh, disseminated data through the internet uh, using the Skyline Globe. And what's your uh, and what's your pri uh, pricing for these uh, licenses? So uh, the the Terra Explorer license uh, usually we we sell it on an annual uh, subscription uh, that is two thousand uh, dollars. Photo Mesh has different levels because it really depends on how many fusers we call them fusers uh, you want to run. Uh, the basic software is $3,000, and that's for a single fuser, but you can always rent additional fusers if you have a large project and you need to run on, let's say, 10 computers in parallel. Essentially, you move your productivity by 10, so it's linear. Um, 10 fusers will run 10 times faster than a single fuser. Understood. So a project that would have taken 10 days to process could be processed in one day on 10 computers. Um, so that starting point is $3,000, and then you could purchase more fusers. Uh, the price goes down the more fusers you purchase. And uh, the Skyline Globe, um, it, it gets priced based on how many seats uh, you have on it, which is essentially how many simultaneous users you're streaming the data to. The smallest globe starts at 10 users and is about $15,000. Uh, that it really enables you to be your own subscription service and then uh, let people access their data that you host for them and make it streamable for them. And then uh, the, the more seats you have, uh, there's larger, it goes up to a thousand seats, even though at that point the limitation is making sure you have the right hardware, the right infrastructure, large enough bandwidth, uh, load balancing on the server and, and those other things. Because if you have... 10,000 people tapping into your data, our license is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be, do you have enough internet bandwidth and uh, is your server able to handle that many hits at once? Yeah, understood. No, that's great. Um, so in terms of the viewers or whoever watched this is interested in approaching you and buying licenses, would you or uh, who would be the appropriate POC to get a hold of? Well, uh, I would be the, the starting point uh, inside the U.S. If we have any international viewers, I could always direct them to our other Skyline offices. We have offices in Australia, in uh, the U.K., in, in Germany, in France, uh, in Spain. We're, we're expanding more and more into Latin America and South America, so... And we'll we'll add the uh, we'll add your contact information in the uh, the video notes uh, after the show, so we'll we'll do that for folks who are interested, uh, mm -hmm. as well as the uh, website and uh, brief descriptions of each of the uh, uh, segments that uh, that that you that you talked about today, uh, from uh, Photo Mesh, Terra Explorer, and 
and uh, your streaming services. So um, any last tidbits you want to share with uh, everybody who's watching? Um, no, I think uh, at the end of the day, we are more than willing to work with anybody on their data and try to figure out uh, what's the best way for them to use it inside our software. We're always looking for integrators and people that have development capability um, and are interested in creating something new with our software. So really a, a large developer network and people that are uh, early adapters in certain fields and industries. So, you know, whoever's interested in enabling 3D and, and doing more things. Oh, one th small thing I forgot to mention is we do have full integration with VR. So there's also a lot of, of potential development in that and making the whole 3D experience a lot more immersive. So uh, that is definitely something that we're interested in expanding. So we're open to, to any opportunities and anybody that's really interested in the software and what we do. Awesome. That's great. Now, I appreciate the overview you gave us today and uh, look forward to seeing what releases you have in the, the near future. So, uh, you, and we'll kind of briefly touch on that. You do software releases every six months, right? Every every yeah. updates? We do uh, probably one major and one minor release a year. So, uh, we go through a large software release at least once a year and then a sub-release, uh, you know, probably anywhere from four to eight months after the major release. Yeah, and if, if for, for some reason anybody who uh, doesn't have, for some reason doesn't misses them, um, interested in this video, and maybe this isn't the right timing, I see you guys at GeoN every year, so you'll be out there at least, but yeah, I'm sure you're at tons of other trade shows in between now and then as well, right? Yes, we, we try to be uh, really in all the large 3D and geospatial intelligence conferences. Um, in Europe, uh, and uh, in the United States especially. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it once again. And uh, this is Adam Simmons of Project Geospatial with an interview with Skyline Software Systems. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, this episode will be available in audio. However, I highly encourage you to watch the video portion just by nature of uh, what we talked about today. So, thank you very much. Well, thank you.